0: Peace to you. Welcome back to the Naked Truth. We're going to pick up in the book of 2 Samuel. We made it to chapter 20. If you want to read along with me, let's begin with verse 1. And there happened to be there a rebel whose name was Sheba, the son of Bichri, a Benjamite, and he blew a trumpet and said, We have no share in David, nor do we have inheritance in the son of Jesse. Every man to his tents, O Israel. So, excuse me, what's happening here is King David has returned after his son Absalom, who attempted to take the throne from him, actually did run him out of town, exiled him um, on his own. He didn't even tell him to. He did it out of uh, an attempt to avoid even having to do battle with his son Absalom, but it didn't work out so good because some of his supporters, King David's that is, Um, took it upon themselves to go ahead and um, snuff Absalom out in the meantime so that they didn't have to take it any further. So he was killed, and now David is on his way back to the throne. And all of the tribes, the collective tribes known as Israel and the singular tribe known as Judah, um, have all decided to band together and welcome David back to the throne. Not everybody is happy about it. And one of the people apparently here, his name Sheba, is they're considering him a rebel, according to the narrator here. And again, the narrator is not Samuel, even though the book is called Second Samuel. Samuel is long dead, and last we heard from him was that seance that Saul had from the so-called witch of Endor. So it's not Samuel who's speaking here, but it's whoever scribed the book of Second Samuel, uh, passing on the message they're describing Sheba as a rebel, presumably for not supporting the return of David as king of all the tribes collectively. Um, So he's Sheba, Sheba, that is, is saying that uh, he doesn't want David to be their ruler and telling people who would follow him, uh, let's just go back to our own tribe um, and say, bump David. Verse two, so every man of Israel deserted David and followed Sheba, the son of but the men of Judah from the Jordan, as far as Jerusalem, remain loyal to their king. So just like that, the people have turned yet again. They, Once they've risen up uh, to go to war with Absalom as their king or leader anyway, to reject David. Then David returned and they all came out to greet him and welcome him back. And now that someone has risen up and given them an alternative, they're right back to um, turning on David again. Um, but his own closest family, um, tribe, Judah, that is, seemed to be remaining loyal to him. Verse three. Now David came to his house at Jerusalem, and the king took the ten women, his concubines whom he had left to keep the house, and put them in seclusion and supported them, but he did but did not go into them. So they were shut up to the day of their death living in widowhood. So um, what's been referred to here are the side pieces, the 10 non-wives but extra women that he has. Uh, They're not quite mistresses. Mistresses are are generally a secret matter, but instead they're uh, a step down from being a wife, a concubine, and it'd be basically a modern-day equivalent of a side piece that uh, the spouse knows about because he's got 10 of them. And what he's referring to here about why he's not having sex with them anymore, because that's what it means when it says he did not go into them it's saying he didn't have sex with them anymore. Because as we read in a previous chapter, his son Absalom, as part of the rebellion, put on a public sex show. Um, If you read along with me, you know which one I'm referring to. But if not, you can look back on the Naked Truth readings from a couple of chapters back. I think it's even labeled a live sex show. It's sort of like an ancient form of pornography where his son um, had a public uh, sex show with all of his uh, side pieces, with all of his concubines. Now, Whether they had a choice in it or not, it seems unclear. He probably didn't. But he uh, set up a tent and had sex for all of the community to see uh, with all of the different women who were At this point, property of his father, King David, because that's how women are looked at through most of the Bible and many societies way back then. And like I've said again and again, only Jesus's red letters um, are distinctly different from that uh, treating women as property. The rest of the Bible pretty much uh, treats women that way. Um, So anyway, that's what's being referred to there. And instead of him having sex with them again, since his son's already had sex with them. He instead just set them up, basically, and um, put them away. They probably still aren't allowed to have sex with anybody, any other men, um, but they aren't having sex with the king either anymore. Verse four, and the king said to Amasa, assemble the men of Judah for me within three days and be present here yourself. So now Amasa is the uh, man who David sort of deceitfully to Joab has um, um, proclaimed to be the new basically general of his army. He hasn't, at least according to what's written, let Joab know that yet. And Joab has been fairly faithful through all these things. But Joab is also the one who took Absalom out of the picture. He's the one who um, pursued and killed Absalom, um, an enemy of the king, but still the king's son. So he didn't want him killed. Um, And, excuse me, David hasn't been faithful to him. In that, and probably for that reason, and instead he's told Amasa he's going to take over um, Joab's place. And um, so that's the same Amasa that's being referred to here. And he's being told to uh, gather the kingdom, at least the tribe that's being faithful to him, Judah, um, and be present there in three days. Verse five, so Amasa went to assemble the men of Judah, but he delayed longer than the set time which David had appointed him. So Amasa has been given an order, but he's being, uh, he's uh, delaying in fulfilling the order. It says um, beyond the three days. Verse six, and David said to Abishai, now Sheba, the son of Bikri will do uh, more harm than Absalom. Take your Lord's servants and pursue him, lest he find for himself fortified cities and escape us. So David there is showing he doesn't mind attacking people because remember he's the same David who had the battle with Goliath Um, and then also pick fights with the Philistines some of which were um, at least people who were faithful to him and gave him asylum when he was on the run before from Saul Um, so he has no problem with starting fights with people but he just didn't um, fight his son and or even challenge or confront his son when his son was uh, leading him to exile so that's um, the who he's referring to here when he's telling Amasa when he's telling Abishai to um, go ahead and fight with him, go pursue Sheba the one who's basically dared to stand up and reject David as king, because he's saying because he's uh, Sheba would do more harm than his son Absalom did. So go ahead and get him, verse seven. So Joab's men with the Sherathites, the Pelathites. And all the mighty men went out after him, and they went out of Jerusalem to pursue Sheba, the son of Bichri. So now they've been given the order to go get him. They're going out to get him. And it makes me wonder if maybe he's sending them out, not just to get Sheba, but also to give Amasa time to get there those three days, and then take Joab's place just like that, a really kind of underhandedly. Let's keep reading. Let's see. Verse 8. When they were at the large stone, which is in Gibeon, Amasa came before them. Now Joab was dressed in battle armor. On it was a belt with a sword fastened in its sheath at his hips. And as he was going forward, it fell out. So um, now Amasa, the person who David has appointed uh, to take the place of Joab, is encountering Joab. And Joab is armed. Remember, he's like the fierce... Army general that was servant to or loyal to David and also a family member to David. uh, Verse 9. Then Joab said to Amasa, Are you in health, my brother? And Joab took Amasa by the beard with his right hand to kiss him. So the men kissing each other is nothing new. Um, This is at least the third time a kiss has been mentioned in the last few chapters. Uh, David kissed the elder. who came out to meet him and help him um, as he returned to the kingdom. Barzillay, I think was uh, his name. Um, and we read about David and his love affair with Jonathan, the son of Saul, and how he loved him more than uh, the love of women is the way it's, it's written. And now you see uh, another man greeting one who's actually uh, in line to take his place with a kiss and even taking him by the beard to give him a kiss. Um, so it's not like a soft uh, motion, it's uh, apparently a manly kiss, but still a kiss. Verse 10, but Amasa did not notice the sword that was in Joab's hand, and he struck him with it in the stomach, and his entrails poured out on the ground, and he did not strike him again, thus he died. Then Joab and Abishai's brother pursued Sheba the son of Ikri. So now maybe Amasa did hear, um, uh, maybe Joab did hear um, uh, that Amasa was in line to take his place. And that's why he's gone ahead and killed him um, because that's what he's done. He greeted him with the kiss, a Judas kiss before Judas even exists in the Bible. He greeted him with a kiss and then let the sword uh, be exposed from his skirt under his thigh and went on and killed him too. So it shows Joab has no problem shedding blood. Um, and his brother Abishai, um, Uh, is right there with them. Both have, again, been very faithful to David to this point, and David's been very deceitful with them. Um, Apparently, Joab's not having it. He went on and killed his replacement and kept it moving to pursue the one, Amasa, who uh, he was sent after. Verse 11, meanwhile, one of Joab's men stood near Amasa and said, whoever favors Joab and whoever is for David, follow Joab. So, Um, He stabbed Amasa in the gut and it caused his intestines and stuff to fall out. That's how he died. And now someone is announcing that if you're on the side of the king, David, and on the side of Joab, then you better go ahead and follow him, even though they just witnessed the gruesome murder that he just carried out. Verse 12, but Amasa wallowed in his blood in the middle of the highway. And when the man saw that all the people stood still, he moved Amasa from the highway to the field and threw a garment over him when he saw that everyone who came upon him halted. So pretty cold-blooded behavior. He sees that Amasa, who's basically done nothing wrong, he just had the misfortune of being Joab's replacement, um, chosen by David deceitfully again. It was David's sloppiness that did that. He, If he was going to replace someone, he should have done it publicly. I would think, and, um, and um, do it also so that with Joab first, if you have any sort of loyalty to someone, let them know that, okay, you've served for me, I appreciate it, but I'm going to replace you. Do it that way unless you're kind of afraid of the person or unless you're trying to be deceitful to the person. Um, whatever the reason, he did it that way and it's cost Amasa his life. Um and the people have so little compassion for him, they see him wallowing in the road, his guts hanging out, and him dying, and they stop to stare. And rather than say, hey, can we help him? Can we get him someplace, some to you know, someplace who someone who can help him? Presumably didn't have hospitals and clinics back then. Um instead they just drag him off the road so nobody can see him and throw something over him so that he's covered. And then people won't know he's there anymore and just keep moving. Cold blooded. Verse 13, when he was removed from the highway, all the people went on after Joab to pursue Sheba, the son of Bikri. So Amasa's one down, Sheba's next to go, at least on the list for the um uh for the crew, for the army. Verse 14, and he went through all the tribes of Israel to Abel and Bethmach and all the Beerites. So they were gathered together and also went after Sheba. So uh, Joab is marching through the land, area by area, trying to get to Sheba, the one who rejected David as the new king. Verse 15, then they came and besieged him in Abel of Bethmachah, and they cast up a siege mound against the city, and it stood by the rampart, and all the people who were with Joab battered the wall to throw it down. So um, they put up a siege wall next to the defense wall that the city already had and they're doing all they can to tear that wall down apparently they were successful verse 16 then a wise woman cried out from the city, hear, hear please say to Joab, come nearby that I may speak with you so um, just like uh, we read in a previous battle with, um, what was his name um, Jerobel, um was one of his names with a different name also It slips my mind right now, but it it turned out to be a wise woman who intervened in that situation and took him out when he was attacking and besieging the city. Um, Now another wise woman is arising here and calling to the army that's attacking the city and telling them, let the general come nearby so she can have a word with them. So verse 17, when he had come near to her, the woman said, are you Joab? He answered, I am. Then she said to him, hear the words of your maidservant. And he answered, I'm listening. So the woman has found the general, the army general Joab and gotten his attention and is having word with them to intervene, presumably for the city. Since they're just looking for one person, she seems, if I remember right, is trying to save the whole city from destruction. Verse 18, so she spoke saying, they used to talk in former times saying, they shall surely seek guidance and able and so they could would in disputes. So she's saying it's known um, in their uh, history that when there were um, issues that would arise between people, when there were um, disputes, they could seek guidance. They could seek someone wise. They could seek counsel in the area called Abel. Verse 19, I'm among the peaceable and faithful in Israel. You seek to destroy a city and a mother in Israel. Why would you swallow up the inheritance of the Lord? So she's appealing to his, I guess, sense of decency and religion, saying that um, she feels or they it's it's been expressed already that they're calling it the promised land because they feel entitled to it and that it's been given to them by the Lord as an inheritance to take, even though just like in America, the. Um, colonizers didn't discover America with Christopher Columbus or anybody else. Um, there were people here already, but they went in by force and took it. Similarly, um, the tribes went to the promised land and would by force have taken it. Uh, not completely. They're still at war at times with the people who lived there before also. But what she's referring to is what, they're, what they call their inheritance, that same promised land, and she's saying and him trying to destroy the whole city would be destroying the inheritance of one of the fellow uh, or some of the fellow uh, tribe members and the, of the Israelites. And she's saying she's a peace lover. She's a faithful person. Um, So presumably she has a solution for both sides. Verse 20. And Joab answered and said, Joab answered and said, Far be it, far be it from me that I should swallow up or destroy so Joab is saying, no, 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 that's not what his intent is. Even though he's already built a siege mound, siege wall and is attacking their wall, their defense wall. Verse 21, that is not so. But a man from the mountains of Ephraim, Sheba, the son of Bichri by name, has raised his hand against the king, against David. Deliver him only and I will depart from the city. So woman said to Joab, watch his head will be thrown out to you. Watch, his head will be thrown to you over the wall. So um, he, he let her know where he's coming from and what it is that would satisfy him and end the battle. She let him know, no problem. Verse 22. Then the woman in her wisdom went to all the people and they cut off the head of Sheba, the son of Bikri, and threw it out to Joab. Then he blew a trumpet and they withdrew from the city, every man to his tent. So Joab returned to the king at Jerusalem. So I guess she is pretty wise. Rather than let the whole city be destroyed, her inheritance as she's calling it, and anyone else in the city be destroyed for one person's sake, since they're all after one person who was treasonous or seditious in his opposing, uh, the governmental king David. Rather than that, that let that happen, she said, uh, who is it you're looking for? I got you i'll throw his head to you over the wall and she did what she uh what she said she uh went back in to uh the people they took his head off and threw it over the wall to joab the one who was pursuing him and that was enough to save him and he took him and his army back to jerusalem verse 23 and joab was over all the army of israel benaiah the son of jehoiada was over the sheriffites in the Pelethites. So, um, now it's going into a list of basically David's cabinet, his, um, and the people who served under him. And you see, it's, 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 it seems to be it's the narrator just naming it off, so I'm just gonna read through them and stop at whatever stands out. Um, but you see, just like that, Amasa's out of the picture, even though David appointed him just like a chapter or two ago. So, um, Joab is uh, over the army, and other people, Baneah, the son of Jehoiada, if I remember right, Jehoiada is also a family member of Joab, but don't quote me on that, you should always look back and see for yourself to be sure, um, and the Sherathites and the Pelathites are different groups of people that also are following along um, in the, among the tribes, verse 24, Adoram was in charge of revenue, Joshaphat, the son of Ahilud, was recorder. So um, I don't know if that's the same. I don't think it's the same because there's a king also named Joshaphat that gets mentioned later, and I don't think this is the same one. Um, and Ahilud was the recorder. So I guess that would be like the scribe, the one who's uh, writing down the different events of the kingdom and of the uh, as they happen. Verse twenty five, Shiva was scribe. Oh, guess not then. So Ahiva was the recorder, so I'm not sure what it is he was recording then. Um, unless he's they're talking about an instrument, the instrument, the musical instrument recorder. Um, I don't know. Um, but it it seems it would be something other than that. Maybe when they're saying Shiva was scribe, they're talking about um strictly the religious events, maybe, and recorder was uh the governmental events or like the mainstream media of events, keeping track of that? I'm not sure. Um, but that's the duties of each. And sorry, I didn't mean to stop in the middle of the verse. Verse 25, Sheba was scribed, Zadok and Abiathar were the priests. So the fact that she was mentioned with the in the same verse as the priest, that's what makes me think that probably she was the one who's recording and scribing, writing the different religious turn of events for the kingdom, whereas Ahilud, was recorder, he's sort of like the newspaper guy, the uh, media guy who's keeping track of all the events as a whole of the kingdom. But again, I don't know. So um, feel free to find out for yourself. Verse 26, and Ira, the Jerite was a chief minister under David. So um, another person who's serving as a minister um, in his um, cabinet, David's cabinet, that is, is named Ira, and he's from um, Jair, and that's like a collection of towns that someone named Jair named for himself or were named for him. Uh, That's the last verse in this chapter. That's where we'll end this reading. As always, thank you for joining me for The Naked Truth. I hope it's a blessing for you, and I hope 2023 is a blessed year for us all. Stay safe. I love you, and I'll see you next time. God bless you. Peace be with you.